We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. The Parkins and Spiegel Show. If y'all ready, give me a hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, look at this Coach, guy. Coach Dave, Dave Wanstead. Wanstead is here. He's We're paying in... up a bet. How about that? A bottle of Chiefs red. in the over. Sweet berry wine. <laughs> wine was invented by the Romans for orgies. And orgies are not too much fun if no one wants to do with you. It's like I know a little something about football, Dave. Oh, there he is. Yeah, Coach. a little something. Thanks for paying off the bet. A semi cab sub. What year? 2019. I'm on it. Yeah, let me know. Okay. Let me know what he spent. <laughs> oh, no, really? He, the man's got simple taste. We know that. Maybe he likes it. Did he say he likes it? He didn't say anything. Okay. He probably, is it 12 bucks? No. Is it 20 bucks? Sometimes. Maybe it drinks like something much more expensive. It could. It could. Did he bring in a less than $20 bottle of red? He, he brought in a $20 bottle of red. Try the wine. Very good brand, sir. Very good cover, sir. Smells nice, too. Maybe at 25 depending on where you go. You ever have a great Valpolicella Ripasso? No. Where <laughs> I don't even know what that is. It's an Italian wine. So uh, 20, 20 to 25, that's, that's fine. Well, I would say it was fine. <laughs> Guy's got an estate in Naples. But yeah, I, I am disappointed. <laughs> I'm sure it's delicious. Thank you for the bottle of red, Dave. You really splurged on this $20 bottle. Yes, well, uh, you know. do you like that wine, Coach? Do you know it? I, I don't even know what it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Unless you care for another bottle of Chateau Latou. Uh, yes, but no more 1966. Let's splurge. Bring us some fresh wine. The freshest you've got this year. No more of this old stuff. Oui, monsieur. He doesn't realize he's dealing with sophisticated people here. We go One, two, three. And here, here we go. go, Jim. Here we go. Here we go, Jim. Here we go, Tony. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Afternoons from 2 to 6 on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Man, Dave Wanstead is a special dude um, and so funny and completely owns who he is. He gave Danny just an absolute afterthought of a bottle of red wine to pay off the gift. I, I don't even know what it is. I don't, I don't even know what it is. Just grabbed it from the closet. Sometimes you got you to gotta live up like that. Mm-hmm. Who, who's the uh, Marshall Harris is with me here, longtime media maven and CBS Two Chicago maven, television. I like that television human, but multi city sports media person. Who's like the uh, Dave? I think is is the coolest former coach that I have ever interacted with. I couldn't get over it. It, it like several times this year and, and last. Just like man, look how chill this dude is. He knows everybody. He's fun to be around. That's part of why he was a success going place to place to place and everything. And he's just, he's just real, you know? You ever have an experience like that with a former coach or, or even an athlete? Uh, so, so several, but like, <clears throat> it sticks out to me as um, Jim Lynham, um, who Jim Lynham, the former Sixers, Philadelphia Sixers, Sixers coach. coach. I used to work with him on pre and post uh, yeah. for Sixers. And he just, he'd tell you these stories and you just be like, wait, what? And he like, Basically, make you think you were there. Like his Charles Barkley stories are just tremendous, and he just 
it's it's the way he tells the story, but he makes you feel like, hey, if you were with us, I wouldn't let you watch this and participate in this conversation. Uh-huh. It's ludicrous. It's crazy. And just the emotional response, and he's short and quick, like just snaps it off at you. And you're like, okay, I want to hear more. That's awesome. Like like if you were there at the time, he would have turned to you and talked to you about it. Yeah. Like, Can and, you and believe this crap? The, 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 the best former athlete, actually just the best people are people who can tell good stories about their experiences and make them so relatable and make you feel like you were just right there, right then. Well, Wani's got all that and a bag of chips. Um, and he he came yesterday with information. If people did not hear, it's unbelievable stuff about the color coding system that Ryan Poles referred to earlier this week at the scouting combine. Just incredible stuff. I'm going to bring that up to Hub Arkish later, who's going to join us at 4 o'clock. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Mark Grody at 5 from the Combine. Um, our colleague Dan Wiederer from the Tribune and from the Score and the Take the North podcast will join us at 3 o'clock to talk about Justin Fields. And uh, so much more along the way. Um, and look, by the way, we're coming out of Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. And we want you to join us. Stadium Swim Thursday and Friday, the 23rd and 24th. Still a bunch of options available if you're looking to come out to Vegas to watch the tournament on any of the weekends. Sportsbook, Stadium Swim, as well as the private man caves for groups. Take me out to Vegas for the first time in decades. All 30 teams are playing on opening day and we'll be celebrating that at Circa as well in a baseball sense. So there's no better place to watch every pitch live. Marshall Harris and Matt Spiegel here with you on Parker the Spiegel this afternoon. So what was the vibe like at White Sox camp for you when you were there um, earlier in camp? Marshall okay, so Harris. now I was there the day that pitchers and catchers reported, right? So you're there for Mike Clevenger. That, that's what the tone was. I mean, that overrode anything and everything is that, oh, Mike Clevenger is not only here, but he's going to talk today. Uh-huh. And I was like, I wonder what this man is going to say. Because at famously, here on this station, you had his accuser. Later that day. Uh, and I was just like, he was very much like, I didn't do this stuff. You know, it's, it's I'm sorry that it's a distraction to my mm-hmm. teammates, but he was just, and it, it, it was like, my thing was, your past is so checkered, it's hard for me to take you seriously in what you're saying now. I think that's the overall backdrop on how people uh, absorbed it. Absorbed it, yes. And then when the accuser comes on and and, and gives you that, then there's there's all of that to to add in too. But it's interesting. Yes, so that that's when you're there. Um, and, and that was the like the when you say tone set, that's tone it, set, yeah, right. And, you know, we were supposed to talk to some other people we didn't get. And then it was just weird because the the vibes of the two camps couldn't have been any different. Mm. Like, you get to Cubs camp and all the hitters are already there and just so happy to be there. And, you know, the free agents, the guys who are like Nico Horner who's got to move positions. Um, guys Be- who don't Bellinger know. lives out that way, so he'd been there for a while. Right. Uh, you, you know, guys from last year like Patrick Wisdom who don't, don't know what their role is going to be. It's just a very... Hey, I, I don't know what's going on, but I'm excited to find out. Or we're we, we there's there. I think Horner said it best when he said there, there's rings back in the room, hmm. like guys who have won championships, where that had been the departing factor yeah. over the last couple of years. Yeah, Kyle Hendricks is the only one left. Yes, Kyle, Kyle Hendricks talked about being the only one left and mm-hmm. kind of reminiscing on those times and hoping to create some new times. Whereas the White Sox, Pedro Grafol was like the only solid thing there. Uh, although Yasmani Grandal was good in talking about, you know, what he wants to do. Lance Lynn is Lance Lynn, um, yeah. as as we know. Um, Tim Anderson talked for four minutes. 
uh, his initial, and it was like uh, not pulling teeth, getting some of these guys to talk, but it not not as excited. Well, there's a defensiveness that's kind of permeated all of camp. It, but, it, it, it's 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 been it's been obvious. Well, here's the thing: like, there's two ways you can approach it, right? You can either get defensive about what everybody's been saying about you, mm-hmm. like Gavin Cheese was like, "Yeah, we know what's going on on Twitter and all this stuff," or you can just be like, "That's the attitude, and we're going to attack it, and that's where we're operating from." And we're like, "We didn't deserve the criticism that we got," yeah. and it was kind of a mix, like different guys, different vibes, and I think overall they're just. They're going to have to wait till they get on the field to do something about it. And they'll have a chance to do it. Um, that That's for sure. By the way, Paul's position at 3 o'clock is going to be Dan Weirer talking uh, about fields and kind of factoring everything in. And I will get to number 19 on my list of the top 30, my top 30 favorite ball players the last 30 baseball seasons that I've been in town. We'll do that around 445. But th- this article today in the Sun-Times from Steve Greenberg about Jose Abreu was a really good read um, Jose speaking a bunch through uh, the interpreter with the Astros, other Astros players talking about Abreu. And it included this quote, Marshall, about Abreu's time in Chicago and really last year. And he clearly, as the way Steve wrote it and described it, did not relish talking about it, but did give this quote. I think sometimes talking about the past can bring a lot of animosity. But I think the best way I can put it is just that we were not a real family. And I'm hoping maybe the Sox can get to a situation where a lot of the guys there that do deserve to be in a good situation, they can have it there and be able to win. But I don't really have too much more to say about that. He was asked about the Astros and he said, quote, these guys here, they're a real family been there 10 minutes but that's what he feels obviously i can see why the astros organization has had as much success as they've had the last couple of years so look it's a very impressive organization you know i mean uh, they're coming off the world series uh, for sure but i mean that is that is striking to me that you know your standard bearer and best player who was still your best hitter last year says we weren't a real family and i'm hoping the Sox can get to a situation where they can be able to win. So why were they not a real family? How much of that was Jose? How much of that was the Tony La Russa fiasco? How much of it was other people? It's it's very interesting and I think kind of troubling. And in talking about it with our guy Chris Tannehill, our, our, our surgeon of sound, he recalled this from Ozzie Guillen. Um, let's play the second one first, uh, Tanny, about about family, since Azagian used, as you remembered, the same kind of verbiage, exactly. This is a fact, guys. I know Refro was a manager before they interviewed me, by the way. A good friend, mutual friend. He told me, you will interview the White Sox? I said, yes, I did it yesterday. I said, well, Refro is a manager last week. They talked to him. They made sure they say, make sure you don't say anything. Then, then they had me. They hit, I hope, I hope. Those few of them, I hope those guys are wrong because they did. I said, Why are you wasting my time? You're wasting your time. You know, the guy, I think before it's going to be, you know, what I hear, what I hear, before it's going to be a good manager. If they let them manage it the way they sh- it should be managing and dictate what they have to be doing in the field, this white source is going to have success. When people start putting their nose, try to help him, they ain't going to help him at all. Hmm. You know, players are not stupid right now. Players know when you. Do a stuff because the front office, they know how you are with the front office, how you are with the players. And I think right now what I know about him, 
and thousand percent behind him, thousand percent behind him. I think they hired a guy, great baseball man, yes. You know about the game, yes. The problem is, don't try to put together Z with the A before you go through the alphabet, because it, it, they, the White Sox front office don't want to help them much. They will help, they will contribute to try to have success. But when you say, okay, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and you're the manager, it ain't going to happen because this guy, he know about baseball. He's been in the game, never been managing. I think he got a good team to managing. Yes, off the field. Very hard team to managing off the field. Very hard. In the clubhouse, different places, because I know for a fact, I do know. If they stay healthy, I hear this guy say something very interesting this morning. Every organization got a good talent, but they don't have a good team. They got to start playing like a team. They got to start taking each other like a team. I'm tired to hear we're family as a bunch of They ain't family. Moncara, you see, Moncara is Cuban and you can spell his last name. It's not Z. And then they're not family. I want from the White Sox, when I'm on TV, say, we are a great team and we are a great teammate. That bull we're family. And that's not working because a bunch of hypocrites, they don't like each other. And I don't care if they like each other or not. Make sure they go out there and play as a team. And go there and, and worry about and take care of his teammates and be a great teammate. That's all he cares. That, that bunch of about family. I, I got family. I hate my own dad. I do. Every time my dad call me, I go like this. Oh, he need any money. <laughs> and, 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 and 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 I say, hey, we're a great teammate and we're gonna play hard and we're gonna take care of each other. I love if anybody come out and say that. Wow. Uh, I hate my own dad. Every time he calls me, I know he just wants money. That's amazing. I but mean, how about the curses there? And he says, "Oh, they say they're family." Bull bleep! You're not family. The first name he says is Mancada. Then, as he's talking about it, but talking about them pretending they like each other, and Abreu saying we weren't a real family. What the hell was going on in there? It yeah. make it makes you wonder, like, because you think of a teammates being a team. Was there no team team? Like, was everyone not on the same page as far as what teammate? I mean, I feel like the 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 concept of teammates is a very simple one. You learn it playing Little League or basketball or whatever you do. And maybe as professional athletes, it's just different for this particular organization at this particular time. I don't know with the, with the stuff that uh, was said by Abreu, was he talking about just his teammates or was he talking about management? That's what I was trying to like. Parse talking about his teammates. Okay, yeah, that's I, I, that, 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 I think so. I mean, because look, Ozzy's clear. Ozzy talking about management a right. lot in there, saying Pedro is gonna have a big job on his hand, and if anybody steps in to help him, they're not going to be helping him. Like Ozzy ripping the front office right there, basically, and yeah, telling Pedro not to listen to the front. He's office. like, "You're a baseball man. You know baseball. Don't yeah, don't listen know, to what's coming up from up above." Which ties into what we were talking about in transition, which is that sometimes outside forces come in and have to carry that franchise forward. And we see with other franchises too. Like, but a manager has to carry a front office forward. He's now saying, but, but that's Ozzy who doesn't really believe in some of the analytics and some of the other stuff that, that he wants. He's old the managers have to be a part of now. Grafol knows he's got to be a part of that stuff. And, and Grafol understands that. I mean, I, I was at his uh, introductory press conference. I talked, I've talked to him uh, several times yep. since then. He, he understands like what his role is both from a, you know, as he's he's middle management, right? So right. he's got to manage up and he's got to manage down. And I think I have faith that he can do that, but I still want to see it play out because it sounds like it could be quite dramatic based on the accounts that we're we're going over right now. Yeah, but man, so if they're 
if if they as a group are not were not a good constructive family and that's the verbiage that Ozzy uses because he's heard them say it. So who's been saying we got to be a family? And Ozzy's saying that's BS. Hmm. Trouble. I'm curious. <sighs> My curiosity is peaked. I didn't watch the thing that you sent me, Tani. I got to watch the thing that you sent me. That's the thing. I got, I, right? Because that's about the family yeah. T-shirts. Yeah, because I remember specifically, you know, they had these T-shirts at the end of 2021 that just said family on them, and they were in the White Sox colors, and I remember everyone wearing them, so I went back and did some digging to see who, whose idea was it, what do they say about it, so maybe at some point we'll hear it, maybe we could squeeze it in here, but I just wanted to go, obviously things were going well in 2021, they were winning yeah. on the field, and we didn't hear much of this stuff, some of this internal sort of culture stuff, we heard none of that really, other than, oh, the manager is not you know, the best guy to be the face of your franchise. We didn't hear any of that stuff when they were winning. Do you have, do you have the <laughs> yeah, bit from yeah. the family so, t-shirt? So what you'll hear here, you'll hear Eloy, Andrew Vaughn, and Tim Anderson talking about the t-shirts that said family on them that were introduced in late uh, 2021. Hmm. Family means, like, we are all in it. Uh, like, not even uh, if I'm from, like... Dominican, Cuban, whatever. We are all in it. That's, that's the family means here right now. The way Tony brought it in was family means like your outside family, like your family at home. You do anything for them, they're most important. Um, and bringing that in, it's these guys here are our family right now. We spend 180 days together. So uh, we have to connect with each other and, you know, make it, make it like a family atmosphere here. And we've done just that. I mean, we're together every day, all day. Um, you know, so it's only right to you know, continue to build that bond and, uh, you know, keep trying to strengthen, you know, our relationships um, because we understand the goal here. We're trying to do something real special. Um, So it's going to take all of us. And, um, you know, so this is just a start. Show people that we're all in. Every guy got that that, uh, that chip on their shoulder. Every guy's different. They have a different background that overcame something or came from, you know, different places. And, uh, you know, just to be right here in the mix to, you know, be able to grind it out, um, you know, for the whole season and, uh, you know, finally get to and, uh, you know, continue to be hungry. And, uh, you know, we see it in front of us. So all we got to do is, you know, keep competing at a high level, having fun, and, um, you know, try to make games. Sounds so aspirational, so full Well, they were winning family. games. They yeah. were winning cures all. Like, that's the, the one truism in sports, right? Like, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it does matter, but it doesn't matter as much when you're winning because everything can be – it's like sugarcoating over everything, frosting on a – not a cake. Yeah. Well, that thing at the end of 2021 was phony. It was it was false, and, and and you knew it as you watched that team not play clean, not play well, and then they got their ass handed to them by the Astros in the playoffs. Then everything fell apart, obviously, last year. But you saw that that was not a winning culture and a winning uh, a, a winning style of play, and and it, it became evident. So that's. As Ozzy's ripping that very thing that we're hearing them say at the time and hearing them try and represent, it, it clearly didn't, didn't carry over. See, it, I, I feel stronger about team chemistry than, than you do. I feel so, stronger about esprit de corps for a team in that way. And it's difficult to, to figure out. I think a team with bad chemistry, a team that's bad, that isn't acting like a family – is go- when things start to go bad, it's going to fall apart well, quick. Yeah, I agree with you on all of that. And my thing, about- and that's why last year fell apart quick well, and ugly. But also, twenty twenty one, like you look at the rest of the division, their competition. Yeah, they were winning, but who were they really? 
beating. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. 2022, it kind of caught up with them. Like, okay, teams are better now, so we can't just kind of coast. Yeah. And that I think that was a big a big factor. And they were winning in 2021, but were they that good? They were not. Yeah, and that, I think once you understand that and you're kind of like they're faking it, well, yeah, mm-hmm. you fake it till you make it. And as long as the winds are rolling in, eh. Ooh, boy. But it was already falling apart or had or never came together. Mm-hmm. 6.70, the score is where you are. He's Marshall Harris of CBS2 Chicago. I am Matt Spiegel. It is the Parkins and Spiegel show. Some stuff to set you up for Poles position that you need to know from the tremendous Justin Fields' deep dive in the Tribune. We'll give you that. And uh, a former teammate of Justin's reminds you why he doesn't want to be on the Bears. We'll talk about that next right here on 670 The Score. Down at the NFL Combine... The quarterbacks were out there today talking. Some are going to throw a little later today, some tomorrow. The Underwear Olympics. You ever been down there for the Underwear Olympics? I have not been to the con- – that's one of the few things I have not covered is the NFL Combine. Mm. I've, not, I've not been down there either. Our Mark Grody is there and has been doing a great job following reports every day. And uh, we'll talk to him a little bit later on. In a, We'll talk to Dan Weederer in just a bit uh, coming up here. Um, about uh, Justin Fields and about some of the stuff that he saw at the Combine. Um, But C.J. Stroud was talking down there, the Ohio State quarterback, and he was, like all these quarterbacks have been, asked about the possibility of coming to the Chicago Bears, and I liked what he had to say. CJ, what did you think of Justin Fields' season, your fellow Ohio State guy? Yeah, I was proud of him, man. there's so many times you get knocked back down, but I feel like a true man's character is when you get knocked down, how do you get up? And he's got up every time, and he's and he's and he stepped up to the plate, and he hasn't blamed anybody, hasn't pointed no fingers, he hasn't anything. That, and as a human, that just shows you what type of man he is, and uh, what type of family he comes from. So uh, just knowing kind of him as a person, I mean, that's that's really cool. Uh, just because uh, it's hard, man. You get hit so hard, so many times, hard in the face. It's, uh, you have to make plays using your feet, and, and he ain't no damn running back. That, he's a quarterback, and he, and he can sling that rock. So uh-huh. I'm going to stand up for my brother every time, and, and he's going to do great things in his career, and I'm excited to play with him. That said, do you even think about the Bears at one? Is that a weird thing to think about? Because I mean, no, I don't want to go there. I mean, yeah. that, that's that's his team. So, uh, <laughs> But, I mean, I think I got to do my, I gotta do my thing. I got to go build my legacy, and I know he – and he's rude to me. He texted me uh, yesterday morning. So uh, me and him uh, are brothers for life. It, it is his team. It is his team. I know we're all like entertaining the, the the brief possibility of him being traded, and maybe that will stick around just like to help build leverage. And it's certainly being used a lot by television and everything like that. But this is his team, and and I'm emboldened after reading the Weederer thing. Like they they believe it's his team. They're going to build and move forward. How here. can you not though? That's yeah. the like seeing what you saw with your own two eyes uh-huh. the last two seasons, like. Listen, I, I said before the season started, I was very clear. I was like, look, I don't care what the Bears fan. They're not winning the Super Bowl. Like, I just have one question. Is Justin Fields your starting quarterback, and can he take the leap? Now, I think he is the starting quarterback, but to me, he didn't take the leap. And it's mentioned in the article that you talked about. Yeah. But we were like, yo, at the end of the game, your legs ain't going to be it. You're going to have to make plays with your arm and navigate down the field. Right. He had several opportunities to do that and did not finish the job. Wasn't always his fault. I'm not saying it's all, but like 
I need to see that. Listen, the way that you're talking about it is just so familiar, man. We dealt with it all year. It's so hard to have the nuance in this conversation it and is. be able to voice what is there. And I don't know how many words Weeder used. It was a lot. But like the 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 goal of trying to be able to say, you know, like there's an executive who's quoted twice in there, right? Back to back, he first says, no one wants to play against that kid. And if you have him, I can only imagine how much it would stimulate your own imagination for what's possible. He's pretty damn talented. That's an opposing NFL executive. Same guy. Same guy. Same guy says he does a lot of the big things really well. Now figure out the simple. Do the simple things regularly. Just hit the bleeping check down every now and then. Don't try to make every play a highlight. Same guy. That's that's us trying to have the conversation. But he's not wrong. He's not. Neither of his points were he's wrong. Not. If you he's watched not. him play, you're like, that is absolutely outstanding, and I've never seen anybody do that before. And there's there's an acceptance of being in this spot that has been tough for people to get. Um, without a doubt, he is a game breaker and a phenomenal player, and I'm glad that they're building around him and moving forward. But he's got stuff to work on. I want to share this detail of a specific play with you, the listener, as we prepare for the conversation, just to be honest about exactly what it is. Here's the play as it happened against the Lions in Detroit in his final start of the year. It's first and 10 for the Bears um, at the 48-yard line as they are trying to drive. And here's what happens on the play. West going, commit, tied it right in. Equimedia St. Brown to the right, Pettis to the left, snap. They ride Herbert, he pulls back, looking to throw, hit. Fields escapes. Fields, watch out from behind. They knock the ball out. It's loose at the 50. You saw it coming way up here. Fields was running away to some green grass, but the Lions chopped it out. You heard Tom Thayer go, oh, because it's Justin's choice that leads to the fumble. The way this is discussed, clearly by Bears coaches who are supplying the context, the information, to Dan, uh, I shouldn't say clearly, I'm not, but but he's got them sourced on everything. But it, it's so it's so wonderfully detailed and just natural. And I just want to read you a little bit of it. Only two bears were in the pattern, plus the safety valve running back. It's essentially setting up fields for one read, see it and rip it throw. If Pettis was taken away, it should have instantly become a checkdown. That's the play. In live action and again during film review, Bears coaches watched Pettis run a crisp route to create separation. They wished Fields had pulled the trigger. With a decisive and accurate throw, a gain of 20-plus is available. He didn't have a squeaky clean pocket, but it wasn't collapsed either. And even if, as he later relayed to coaches, he hesitated when he saw Lions cornerback Jeff Okuda sinking into a cover two look. His next instinct should have been to divert his eyes quickly and feed the football to running back Khalil Herbert leaking out of the backfield. Luke Getz, he said, it looked like he was about to throw it to Pettis and then he pulled it down. But even if he didn't feel comfortable with the spacing in the secondary, like Pettis didn't run a good enough route, even if he didn't feel comfortable, the reaction has to be to drop it off to the back. And he didn't do that. He, he dropped his eyes. He didn't look to the back. He started to scramble and absolutely, and, and then fumbled the ball. So the thing is, why try, as is said somewhere else here, 
you make that little quick outlet throw to the running back, pick up five yards, then it's second and five from the 43. You keep going. You keep moving the football. Just take your five and and go. Make that decision instantly. Instead, he tried to make a crazy on first and 10, incredibly electric play, which he's capable of doing. And maybe he would have gotten five yards. And it's still second and five, but you exerted all that energy. And lost the football. Uh, Well, in this case, you lost the football. And even best case scenario, you're still going to end up having to matriculate the ball down the field. So just take your check down and keep matriculating the ball. And I I thought that was really clear and instructive. Well, the thing is, it was a whole lot of words to say what kind of we've all been saying. is like, yo, the CPU's got to be quicker. Right. And Like, the one, two, three, like... Between the the two and the three, something has to happen. Yeah, and and too too often we're one, two, three, four, and then disaster, and 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 understanding what he's capable of, and seeing that with the one direction, and understanding what he's been the victim of because mm-hmm. he didn't. I mean, I, I like the way they laid out like the numbers, like really, because you forget like how bad they were before the little ten day break. Yep. And like, yeah, it was really bad. It, it was, was really, really bad. bad. And then and at then, the end, it, it was really bad again. And that, that's, that's the part, because you're kind of holding on to, well, we saw the potential in we the did. middle. We did see the potential. But at the end of the day, they countered it. The league countered it. And now you have to counter it. You have it, to adjust is, to the adjustments. Which is what the entire offseason is about. Polls position. Every day at three, we examine the strategy, the options for one Ryan Poles. We do it next, talking Justin Fields with Dan Witterer on the score.